When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for listening to the AC Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Great deal going on. Put down $5 on any of these NBA games and you get 150 in free plays. That simple, that easy. All right. Now, joined by uh, probably the most connected man on the entire, from the entire West Coast when it comes to college basketball, Mr. Doug Gottlieb. Hello, Doug. Oh, I thought you were talking about me. I thought there's a lot of other people I thought would be a little bit more connected, but I, I appreciate it. And uh, we haven't talked. Uh, online or whatever, since uh, you were nice enough to join me on my podcast talking about this Arizona team, so it's uh, it's great to repay. Yeah, I dude, I appreciate you, and like you know, let's let's hop right into it. Um, okay. When you came up, Arizona basketball, obviously, big deal under Lute Olson, run and gun. Tommy Lloyd comes in this first year, and I can't tell you how many people are watching it and saying it's reminded me a little bit of old times, getting up and down. And if we got better players than you, you're probably going to lose by 25 points. And it's fair. It's fair. You know. Um, uh, I have a, like a gaggle of friends that are Arizona, former Arizona ball players. Uh, mm-hmm. Dylan Rigdon lives right down the street from me. He's modern day. From Irvine. Of course, uh, another modern day Miles Simon. And um, we've, I've gotten together with those guys and they all, always say like, you know, we only had like three plays. Like, we just played. He just he was big on playing team basketball and moving, sharing it. And yeah, there's a certain amount of that with, with Tommy. And I, I like, look, it's a better watch. It right. just is. But I also think that if we're honest and fair, and I, I always try to be honest and fair, they had really good players that were left behind. And uh, Sean is an exceptional, exceptional practice coach. And frankly, even game coach in terms of the fundamentals of the game. It's right. just uh, offensively, it was a lot, you know, uh, it, was, it was not as free-flowing. It was not as opened up. It was a little bit more formulaic. A little bit more, I guess some people would say old school, but it's not because there are some old school guys. We talk about Lou Olson. He let guys play. So right. 
but I, I, you know, and, and you asked Sean, Sean would probably say, Hey, some of that is personnel based. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, look, it was a little bit of a return to Arizona getting up and down. And, and what's interesting is, you know, West coast teams have a reputation of being soft, of running and gunning, whatever. Um, you know, UNLV back when Tarkanian was there, they used to get up and down and run and play really fast, especially like the first final four team in 87. Right. But defensively they were, they were, they were different. They pressed. So, uh, but to answer your question, yeah, I mean, the, the basic formula is if you have better players and we have more possessions, eventually we're going to beat you because we have more skill. That's that you play slower. Usually when you have not as good a talent, right? That's the Princeton offense right. is intended to uh, to kind of even the playing field. Zone defense is entire to even the playing field when you have inferior athletes and inferior talent. That's why Tommy Style fit perfectly with this very skilled bunch. Did you see – now, I, well, what really shocked me was how quickly this all came together, though, Doug. Like, I thought there would be a little bit of a transition, but everybody fell into place immediately. Christian Coloco goes from having, you know, hands of stone to being able to finish around the hoop, defensive presence – Azulis Tabellis was kind of what he was last year, which is a good thing. Benedict Matherin becomes an All-American. Dalen Terry becomes a jack-of-all-trades. Everything just was incredibly cohesive from the start to the finish, you know, until the last game, obviously. Well, th there's a couple parts to it. One, yes, you, you, like when you when, when a coach comes in and goes like, hey, fellas, we're getting up and down and we're going. Everybody right. gets. But two, like they had in many ways what so few teams had, which is cohesion, mm -hmm. right? And – and you, you had a high recidivist rate uh, for that team. And who else has that? And then, like, look, the other part to Tommy, and Tommy gets a lot of credit for his recruiting and for his style. I'm not sure he gets the credit or the Gonzaga style gets credit for the player development. Right. Guys get better, you know? Right, for sure. I, I, because it's not just about coming back. Some guys come back and they're the same, and sometimes they get worse. Right. right? They just do. Those guys got better. So, yeah, it did come together. Um, but I thought part of that is, you know, understanding who to keep and who to get rid of. And let's also give credit to the players for working at it. But, you know, Ben Matherin improving. God, he was, I mean, how is he? Um, he was, he was tremendous. Obviously Kerr, I think plays really well in that style. Right. Um, there's look, there's a downside to it, which I'm sure we'll get to mm -hmm. because the hell they should have gotten beat by TCU. Right. And they did end up getting beat the next game and they, they kind of getting, got punked a little bit. And there's some similarities to what happened to Gonzaga, which I think they have to learn and grow from. But yeah, I mean, Coloco being able to catch, that's a hard one. Uh, some of that is what positions do you put him in? And I thought that that's about the style. They put him in, hey, all he has to do is roll and catch. It's not like we're posting up at the block and waiting for him to go one-on-one. -on -one. What's the next step for Arizona then? You mentioned their problems against TCU and obviously against Houston. Is it getting quicker on the perimeter? Is it getting tougher? What is that next step? I, I think it's the, the, the phys being able to play through physicality, mm -hmm. um, you know, being able to play when people muck it up, right. you know, can you, can you win ugly? And that, right. that's what it is. They, they won pretty better than anybody. Like, right. man, when they got it going, it was fun. I'm like, dude, come watch this team. Everybody right. knows like watching that team play, but you know, you're going to get in those games and, and this is the way college basketball is trending too. that the officiating has gotten a little bit looser. Um, and the players are getting older at now we're getting these older teams at the, the high major, high major level. I mean, right. look, Kansas was an old ass team now. Right. Right. And when you're old, you're stronger, you're physical, 
you know the tricks. And oftentimes, when the younger guy's quicker, just like in the NBA, you put an arm on him, you put a forearm in him, and it slows him down a great deal. So I, it's just a toughness, and that, that can be taught. That could also be recruited. And I think that, you know, as you develop your schedule, you want to place that inside your schedule. Um, and cause they'll always have it some with UCLA because mixed teams are not going to, they're not going to break any scoring record, right? They're right. always going to challenge you. Um, I think you'll see that at a couple other schools in the league, but, but you know, the, the Tennessee game was the first kind of alarming. Yeah. Oh, now all of us who watched it, like, look, it's the first big road game of the year. Tennessee kind of played out of their mind. Arizona couldn't make a shot, but it was more, whew, they did not like all of that physicality, especially on the boards. And that has to change if they want to win a national championship. Now, obviously, point guard, one of the headiest guys that's come through college in quite a while. You could look at the assist to turnover ratio if you don't believe me. Doug, what do you think about what do you think about Kirk Creasa? Is he a guy that you can can you win a national championship with him as your starting point guard? I don't know. Right. I don't know. Uh, look, he's fun. And he's the kind of guy I think dudes like playing with. Mm-hmm. Like, there wasn't – go and watch the TCU game, right. right? You can't make a shot. Right. If you look at that bench, even though he hadn't played in a while, there wasn't anybody that was like – Right. You know? So, that, it's a, that's a big thing that you have the belief of your teammates. You can't be that guy. Um, but, but here's what they ran into a little bit with Kerr is – and this has been the Gonzaga problem forever is – at the other end of the court, can you change how somebody plays? Right. Right. Can you take them out of everything that they do? There, there's only so much a scouting report can do. Like, can you just get in and go, Hey man, he ain't running that stuff. Right. And, right. and, and I don't believe he's that guy. The other thing is you can't just be a catch and shoot three point shooter and, and take deep shots, right? You got to get to the foul line. You got to be a shot creator. Now, you don't the offense, honestly. I think you can navigate because they're always going to have pro wings. You know, Ben Matherin, he's he's good enough athletically to create shots. You don't always have to have as long as your point guard doesn't lose the ball and handles pressure. You don't have to have a jet that gets in the lane. Right. But defensively, that's the issue. Is you and you look at that's always been my thing with Gonzaga. In the early incarnations of Gonzaga, this is like the first ten years. They had to zone you or triangle into you. They had to kind of trick you and just hope right. you missed. Now, right. And now they're every, solid. They're good. They're right. solid. But and, and the, every, the next step is – go ahead. No, and every player – and again, this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but every player seemed like Matt Santangelo or Richie Fromm in that, you know, you've got a really good skill set, but when you come against some other talent right there, you're going to have an issue. Well, I mean, like the truth is like Santangelo is actually like a freak athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all, they all, yes, you, you can have like, you can have one guard who's not great defensively. Right. But that means you got to have a couple of junkyard dogs right. and they're so skilled at the offensive end that that's not, that that's not what, what they have on defense. And, and mm-hmm. even the team now, even the, the Gonzaga's team now, like they're good and they're solid, but you know, it wasn't like Drew Timmy's going to come out and going to block shots. He's just kind of there defensively. So you like the ability to take somebody out of what they do and to make them play left-handed is the is like the football expression, right? Like right. the team's gonna run it down your throat, we're gonna make it pass it. But you, you have to be tough, athletic, physical. I, I think Kerr can do that. The mm-hmm. question is, he strikes me as kind of the classic Euro style guy that that he's not gonna get 
stronger in the offseason. He's not going to going to get in and, and he instead is going to improve his skill level on offense and maybe some of his athleticism, but it's a mentality. It's a strength thing. It's a physicality. And if you can't do that, boy, that one, that one's hard, especially at the point like the defensively, the important positions are one and five. They had five mm -hmm. pretty much sewed up, right? You had right. rim protection, right? But one has to, you got to be able to, to make the guy hesitate to where, they can't just get into their offense. And then the next one is four, the, 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 especially the face-up four position. Can you be athletic enough to switch four? Can you be athletic enough at four to go down and guard a five as well? But I think that point guard position defensively, that's where Kerr gives me the heebie-jeebies because he's kind of just a guy on defense. Th right. That team, a lot of them played defense just until they played offense, right? right just because exactly. we have to. And right. you got to get to that mentality of, man, I love playing defense because that leads to quick offense, and they're not there yet. What do you need from next year's team? Because obviously you got a Julius Tabellis coming back. You know, he obviously struggled mightily in the tournament. You know, he's a better player than he showed. Daylon Terry most likely coming back. Ballo made some big steps. I thought Ballo was going to be roster filler. He turned out to be a lot better than that during the season. Yeah, I, I would. I was surprised at, at, at how much he contributed. You're, you're dead on accurate. What what do you look what what does next year's team feel like to you, Justin? Again, the portal, it's all what's the, what's the roster gonna look like? Right, that's the what's thing, the right? Right. So so there there's like the next part to it, which is um obviously they went out and, and you're recruiting overseas, which is a great niche because I don't I, I don't feel like that's one that other people are going to be it's hard to make headway. It just right. is. You can't just show up and you got a logo. It's not like a high school gym. You show up and you got a logo and like, oh, we want to send our kid to you. Like, it's relationships and Tommy has them. Right. He's great with them. Um, I'd be interested to see how that hurts Gonzaga. I want to see what they do in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I, I got to see roster-wise. Right. But you do have Kerr back, right? You do have Wings back. Obviously, you lose your superstar talent in a Matherin. Mm -hmm. So who's going to carry you? Right now, it's a good roster. And considering everybody else is still searching to fill it, how they fill it. Um, I think the other part that Tommy, I would guess, is going to use, and just common logic, uh, you know, one, Jack has not only recruited, obviously, mm -hmm. at, at Arizona and kept everybody last year, but Jack's time at Northern Arizona, like, you got to be able to, to have relationships with lower-level kids and know who those players are to know who a dude is. Because right. a guy gets in the portal and he's averaging 18 a game, you got like 24 hours to figure out, do we want to offer him? And then maybe 48 to 48 hours to 72 hours to figure out if you really, really want him. And that, that takes a ton, a ton of work. And it helps when you, you bring that. I, I think that Tommy, I'm guessing, is going to call on his Gonzaga days, not just guys that are at Gonzaga, guys that are other places that they, they came in second in. Hmm. Um, and, and, you know, the, the question, and, and the reason I think that I'm kind of come around to Tommy's, recruiting style as opposed to what they used to do at Arizona is I don't know if you can really win big with top 50 recruits or right. with two top 50 recruits on the floor at the same time. Now I know that Arizona used to be a machine, whether you na name the coach and they were getting dudes there. Obviously it started with Luke, right. but I, I just don't know. Like the sport is so old and most of these kids, either they want to go to the league after year one, or if they're not going to the league, it's your fault they're not going to the league and they want to go somewhere else after year one, right? right. Um, I, I don't know about name, image, and likeness and what they're doing in Tucson. 
I, I know that in Orange County where I live, there's plenty of guys that would like to help in name, image, and likeness. I, I, but I, I don't know where they are there. And again, I don't know if you actually want name, image, and likeness hungry kids. You know, Gonzaga lost a point guard to Arkansas. I think they got outbid. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Like, does that, does that mean he's not a Gonzaga type of kid? So there's a lot of unknowns I don't have, but based on who is currently on the roster, it's solid. They'll be fine. Now you got to sprinkle in, all right, who's going to, do we have a guy who can carry us? What do we do? We, we need at least one big time post. I would like, um, I, I'd like a combo guard or somebody that can break down a defense to play with Kerr right. uh, in addition to a star wing. And I'm, I'm guessing those things are on the, in the hopper because there's, there's like three waves to the portal, right? There's the guys that are going to leave anyway, and they're gone. That's the first wave. Okay. Then there's the second wave of the portal, which is now getting interesting. It's just, is the, some of them are putting their name in the draft and then they're really thinking around the portal. Then there's the third round of the portal, which is a little bit later on here in the spring and even in the summer where a kid who was committed to coming back to his school, only his coach went out and brought in a guy at his position or two guys at his position in the portal. Now he's like, F this, I'm out. Right. right, right. So um, all of that comes down to you got to do the work as a head coach and assistant coach and have the connections. And the great thing about changing jobs and changing leagues is you, you have all the connections with all the kids that play in those other leagues for those other schools. So you know what you're getting. That's the, the hardest part of the portal is not getting the kid. It's knowing what you're getting. Right. Because if, if they show up, some of them show up, like I'll, I'll give you an example, right? Marcus Carr at Texas. Perfect. They example. like Marcus Carr at Texas. Now right. he played it, played it, played it, right? Everybody wanted him because he, he got to Pittsburgh and he scored. And he went to Minnesota and he scored. Now, you know, side note, both those coaches got fired. There's doesn't mean it's all Marcus Carr's fault, but like when you're scoring a bunch of points and your coach gets fired, you are in fact part of the problem. Those points weren't helping you win. Right. But so Marcus Carr, he was so hemming and hawing on what he want to do. He didn't show up at Texas until middle of August. So like, dude, we can't, how can you establish culture when you're not there in the summer and you guys are working together? And, too? Yeah. It's almost impossible. And, and, and coaches are a little bit powerless on this thing. Cause you're like, I really want the kid. But can I dictate that he's got to be here, you know, end of May? Right. And some of them are like, hey, look, I'm not going to take a kid dog. But then the problem is that a kid pops up in the middle of July in the portal. And you're like, well, okay, I'll take him because he's that good. So um, it's, it's a, it's, a, I, I don't envy him. I think, I think there's a lot of reasons that people aren't happy with the current system, but it is the current system. And the one thing I've always respected about Tommy is his ability with relationships. So I guess it's two things relationships, but also that comes from work. You know, right. you don't just, you don't just like, you're a nice guy. You coach Gonzaga. So people like you, you got to know who you're talking to, know something about them, know about their players to earn their respect. So you create these relationships and he has done that. And guys like Jack and his staff have done that as well. All right. Let's look ahead to the conference here a little bit. Just real quick. Got to pay the bills. DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Here's the deal. Game's going on tonight. Put down five bucks. Get $150 in free plays. New customers only. Eligibility restrictions apply. Gambling problem 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Again, $5 down. Get $150 in free plays. Make it happen. All right, Doug. So when Mick Cronin was hired at UCLA, I 
you know, it, it felt like an interesting fit because you're looking at it and everybody at first is saying, oh, well, you know, John Calipari is going to get it. John Calipari uses that stuff to get money all the time. So I didn't really necessarily believe that. No, it was Rick Barnes. Right. It was Rick Barnes. Rick, ba Rick Barnes was getting the Rick job. Rick Barnes getting the job as well. Remember that? Lots of different, lots of different people in there. Yeah, Rick, Rick Barnes, it was like, done deal, Rick Barnes getting the job. But, and then all of a sudden, it's like, no, nah, I didn't have it. Sometimes you backdoor your way into a good hire. And, you know, listen, Steve Alford did some really good stuff at UCLA. Don't get me wrong. But you never really feared them, even with the talent. Mick Cronin feels like the guy that as long as he's there and as long as it doesn't become a Ben Howland thing where you are you become a little too abrasive, he's going to win big. So Arizona-UCLA, to me, feel like they've been on the best footing as a group probably since the mid-90s when you look at Loot and when you look at Jim Herrick doing their thing. What would you say to that? I would say maybe – I would say that uh, the difference – I agree, and I'm going to only disagree on this aspect. The mid-90s UCLA, go back and look at the, the depth of talent. Right. But, I again, it's just a different, right? They, they got everybody. Between them and Arizona, they got everybody in the West Coast. It was it was right. really amazing. Um, I agree with you. I, I'd say when when Mick got the job, I actually told uh, Mike Lewis, who's now the head coach at Ball State, he just left this year. He's like, "What do you think of the guys we have?" I said, "They're perfect." He's like, "Why?" I said, "Because there's no pros, but they're all really close, and you're going to have them for three or four years, and they're all good players and they're solid. Like if you can recruit a pro or two." Mm. to go along with the four and five year program guys, you're going to be great. Right. Um, look, they have talent with Amari Bailey coming in. Uh, mm. They have some other talent. Um, they did lose some of their bench depth. Uh, Jake Kyman, for example, left and he went to Wyoming. I think he would have right. been a good one to keep around because again, like fourth and fifth year could have been really solid. Uh, but if Hawkes comes back, you know, like I think Hawkes mm -hmm. will play in the NBA. Is he? Does he get drafted in the first round? Probably never. Right. But if you can get Hawkes back because he's such a Swiss Army knife at both ends, now you're bringing in Amari Bailey. Um, I, I I agree. I think he ends up being a perfect fit, even if it's still kind of weird. Like he doesn't feel like the UCLA coach, right. but he's probably better than a guy who would feel like the UCLA coach feels like. Like Steve Lavin feels like he should be the UCLA coach, right? Exactly. Right. Slick hair, good suits, great right. talker, right? Right. Uh, Lute Olson should be at Arizona or UCLA, right? Like right. just good, classy dudes that play. Mick Cronin, you know, dad was a coach, five, whatever, you right. know. I mean, if you he go to his like practice, it's like earmuffs to any little kid. <laughs> nice. But he's a hell of a coach and he challenges guys. And he's just, and he also finds a way though, like, He's going to get a dude or two that can really play, and that that's a one and done type. So I I agree with you. I think they the, both programs. Tommy's a perfect fit for Arizona and how they want to play and who they want to be. And I'll admit I was wrong in that aspect. I mean, I still truly believe if they hired Damon and Miles, they'd be the program would look different. I still think it'd be successful. But Tommy's going to work. Right. I, I don't know if it went national championship, but it's going to work. I think the Mick that dog is going to hunt, and he's. He's a lot less heavy-handed offensively than his reputation, although they don't play terribly fast. And I think as long as they stay true to the virtues of, hey, we can't recruit all McDonald's All-Americans, all top 25 guys. And the other part about L.A. is there's so many players, they're going to always get the bounce-back kids, like Johnson, who came back from, right. from Rutgers. And Johnny Guzan, guys like that. Yes. 
that's going to hurt San Diego State because San Diego State has feasted on that in the past. Right. Now it gets to be UCLA and the USC's of the world. Okay. Now, real, uh, real quick, and then uh, we'll uh, let you go again. I can't thank you enough. Let me ask you this. Back in the 90s, you're coming up. Arizona, yeah. you know, you can make the case from about 88 to 03. Arizona is one of the top five, six programs in the nation. My final fours, wins, championships. UCLA doing its thing with, obviously, Herrick, Steve Lavin at the beginning. Mike Montgomery, you had three top 10 to 15 programs right there. What does this conference need to do to be able to get back to that type of status? Uh, oh, that's a great question. Because it's been done, and it's not like it's some the outlandish. The right. schools, you, you didn't mention Cal. Right. Uh, no, no, listen, I don't know what, I mean, the Stanford should be right. better. The Stanford thing should be better. People forget like how good Stanford was. Now Stanford's fighting on a bunch of different factors, but the way things are trending, they should be better in that they should be recruiting the best academic kids in the country to come in and be four and five year kids. They just haven't, you know, they lost that little point guard. What was the kid's name? He went early. Uh, oh, uh, Terry. Like Tyrell, Tyrell uh, Terry. Tyrell Terry. Yep. Right. That because he left as a freshman and he won. I, I didn't like it, but. Had he stayed three or four years, the problem. Everything looks di- everything probably looks different. Right. Um, Cal, it's a joke how bad how how poorly Cal is recruited. Mm-hmm. There's players there you can get them into Cal. It's hard to keep them in Cal, but it's, it's it, but you can get them in. Okay, and Washington, those three have to be better. Arizona State and USC have always been up and down. Matter of fact, right. USC this is as consistently good as because if you know the history of this conference, mm-hmm. it goes like this: USC's bad, then they're good. Then they're on probation and they're bad. Right. Then they're good. Then they're on probation and they're bad. And Arizona State's kind of similar, right? Right. Neither school's been on probation. USC's been consistently good. Arizona's been consistently fine. I'm, last year was a bit of a dumpster fire, right? Um, but Cal and Stanford—that's a joke. Though they got to be better. Washington's got to be better. Uh, I don't know how you know Washington is so dependent upon the talent in uh, Seattle and Tacoma. First, being good. When the talent's good there, they're good because they get those kids to stay home. But those things haven't ha- – neither has happened recently. And then Cal and Stanford being bad. You want the conference to be good? Those teams have to be good. You can't depend on Colorado and Utah, Washington State. It, Oregon's way better, you know, usually better than they've, they've been historically. They've always been good. Oregon State up and down, whatever. They're a mess. But they're Oregon State. They don't – no one cares about Oregon State nationally. Cal and Stanford, those two can't be this bad. They just, they just can't. And uh, those, they, they have good assistants. They have good coaches. You know, Mark Fox is a little bit of a curious hire, but he's, he's, he won at Georgia without cheating, right? right. He, he obviously won big at Nevada. They, they got to figure those things out. Right. Okay. And then one last question, but real quick, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook app again, put down five bucks, $150 in free plays, three games going on tonight. That team, if that team uh, just even plays, you get 150 bucks. Eligibility restrictions apply. 21 and up. Arizona only. New customers only. All right, Doug. I got to ask you this: You're national media, national college basketball aficionado. The Big Ten. We hear about it all the time over here. What is is? Why does the Big Ten seemingly get in their entire conference every single year, and then they all get bounced in the first round? This is a great conversation, okay? So leagues are actually different. And here's the cool thing. So my job now, I get to work for a bunch of companies, not just with Fox. And I get to, I do, I call Big Ten games for Compass right. Radio. You know, I'll do Big 12 games as well. 
I do SEC games, so you see them. So the SEC, that's the conference of athletes, right? right. That is name, image, and likeness. They're just, they're just going to buy the best athletes. That, that's it. And, and it's not always the prettiest basketball. Um, it'd be interesting to see how John Calipari adjusts last year. I actually really liked his team. They just got beat. Mm-hmm. But I think they're going to change. I think they're going to get out of the one-and-done business because it just it doesn't, it doesn't win you games. Right. Um, the Big Ten is a league. You got to have big dudes, right? Right. Kofi Coburn and um, what's the big kid guy from Michigan? Why am I blanking? Hunter Dickinson. Huh? Hunter Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson, right? Like you have to, you have to have these like big dudes, right? Right. That that doesn't always work. Now let that's college basketball is going to become a way station for big dudes. Oscar Shibway, like he got over on Kentucky. Somebody mm-hmm. was saying he got two million dollars. Like they pay. He wasn't getting that money in the pros. Right. Kofi Coburn, he's going to be a second round pick. I don't know. He's on an NBA bench. Like, what is he in the NBA? Like, this is the sport has completely changed. Those guys aren't, you know, they don't, they don't really have a value in, in the NBA, but they have a ton of value in college basketball. Well, the Big Ten, they always have big guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of them don't have great overall backcourt athleticism, but they win early in the year because they have a high recidivist rate. Guys come back. Yeah. You know? They're big, they're strong, they're developed, they have systems, the coaches generally stay. So what happens is people get fooled because they see them the start of the year and they're like, man, look at how good they are. It's like, yeah, but you got to. They're upside. You know, like, look, no, no. And, And look, some of it is a team just gets beat or gets upset. Some of these teams are very, very good, you know. Like, uh, and, and some of them, you know, there's a, I thought Brad Underwood did a bad job against little Chicago two years ago. That team could have won the whole thing because you do. It's, it's a lot like the big 10 in football, right? Mm-hmm. The big 10 in football to win, you gotta be able to run the ball, stop the run. You gotta kind of play ugly, right? right? In the big 12, you gotta be able to stop the spread. Okay. When you play in the SEC, if you, but when you play in the national championship, you play these SEC schools, right? Like they're so athletic on the defensive line. You got to protect your passer. You can't really run the football. The speed level, athleticism overall, it's just different. So winning your league and winning outside, that's the same with the Big Ten. They win in the non-conference, I believe, mostly because they have older players. um, And they got great home court advantages, good coaches, systems that are in place. But when they get to the tournament, other teams have evolved. And those more athletic teams, sometimes younger teams, or teams, the Big 12 is is a conference now that is kind of a combination of everything. So you got transfers, you got athletes, you have some guys coming back as well. So by the time you get to February and March, they've actually caught you and passed you. I think that's what happens. Um, you know, that, that would be my, my guess as to why it seems like every year on a cycle, we're told the Big Ten's good, the Big Ten's good, the Big Ten, and it is good. Mm-hmm. It's just not great. It's just not elite. And that's why they get beat. Doug, I can't thank you enough for hopping on here, my man. This means the world to me. Um, always, like I said, grew up watching you and uh, love doing, love watching your work, my man. You, you got to step with the grew up watching you thing. Like I'm trying to maintain oh, no. maintain my youth. Maintain no, my straight. youth. No, Doug, you're straight from the era. Like I said, you'll and you'll appreciate this. My very first Arizona game was Chris Mills, 1992-93 against New Orleans, okay. Fairfax's finest, and. Um, and then basically from there, I've been watching everything. One thing I did want to ask you, though, since we have okay. Miles Simon, buddy of yours. Yes. Now, yes. let me throw, let me throw this off you. Is this is 97-98 Arizona where you got Mike Bibby, Miles Simon, Jason Terry, and Michael Dickerson? In my opinion, 
that is as good a perimeter collection as we've seen in modern college basketball. Again, you've got three first-team All-Americans and a third-team All-American in Michael Dickerson. So, so what's the question? Is there, an, is there a better backcourt? Yeah, I mean, you don't even have to answer it. I've just always thought that, and I can't find one. No, it's, it is really, really good. Really good. I mean, like, look, what's more interesting is how that thing came together. And you should For have sure. Miles on because he can tell you. Because what I remember is, like, mm -hmm. Miles, Ineligible. we didn't love UCLA. Well, yeah, but we didn't love UCLA. Like, I was a – my dad had UCLA season tickets, and my sister was a cheerleader. Right. But we didn't – there was something we just didn't – we didn't love those dudes. And then the first day of summer after his junior year, they offered Toby Bailey, and Toby accepted. And one, Toby was always our rival. And two, yeah. I know they're different players, but at the time – it was kind of the same position. So like UCLA was off, right? right? It was, it was completely out of the conversation. You know, the Jason Terry, I don't know if Arizona people remember, he committed to going to Washington Correct. and midnight Luke came in and flipped him at the last second. Right? Like right. that whole thing is completely different. If those two guys aren't there, that's right. the st stuff I, I get off on. Um, best backwards. Well, I mean, look, Huh? A lot of people try bringing up the Illinois one with Darren Williams and Head and uh, 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 D Brown, but there isn't four guys like there, and I don't know that those guys have the same across the board that Arizona does. Well, they also had uh, they also had what's named Powell, who's uh, mm -hmm. assistant Gonzaga, right? I mean, right, so he right, was kind of they right. played four guards, right? Uh, you know, Villanova's first Final Four team. Mm -hmm. Under Jay Wright had those four guards as well, and they were they were good. What's oh, crazy absolutely. is that that team the first year they didn't win the league, right? They were like a four seed. They didn't win hundred percent, right? So I think if we went back and we checked out some Ross, that's the thing about the Pac twelve that it doesn't get the respect. Like that league always has pros, just right. dudes, and um, yeah, I mean there's some there's some backcourts there. I mean hell, Randy Duck at Cal, that mm -hmm. guy was up. Beast. They had Ramon Murray and mm -hmm. Jay Kidd and and Gray. That's and like right. they always had I mean, like, look, they were paying back then. I mean, they got caught cheating. They had Jelani Gardner, like they were cheating. They had good had better players. They they had they were over the salary caps. So they got caught. Um so yeah, I mean, but the Arizona one was 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 great. I'd i I think what would have like uh Roseboron or whatever and have him tell the story, like how it all kind of came together. Those are the ones that are interesting to me because okay. a lot of times it takes one decision, a little bit of luck, or somebody getting pissed off in a recruiting visit somewhere else to make the whole thing work. And that thing worked. And, yeah, and then, you know, Miles is ineligible. Like, right. dude, how are you? You are the smartest ineligible guy to pull a dumbass move of all time. That, sure. that one just blows my blows my mind. Right. Oh, All right, Doug, we'll let you go, my man. But, again, can't thank you enough, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, bro. Anytime. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks again. Doug Gottlieb. I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.